Welcome back, HVAC On Air listeners. We've had a great cooling season. We hope you have too. We're glad to be back. We've spent the summer, you know, really prepping and planning to get this next season started. And so we're kicking off with a series, a short two-part series on an influencer event that we held in September. Back at this influencer event, we had a lot of folks that you guys know folks from internally that have been on the show like Shane Engel and Becky Holscher but then we also had quite a few of these influencers that you guys have heard on a regular basis um, you know Brian Orr, Bill Spoon, Eddie McFarland, Jerry Rollins, Michael Mayberry, Tersh Blissett and Jessica Bannister there's there's just a bunch of them that we've talked to and we held this event at our Helix Innovation Center down in Dayton Ohio So we're going to kick off this part one series really just talking about how their passion for HVACR began and what really led them to starting a social channel as part of the HVAC industry and how they felt that was filling a gap. So we hope you enjoy the expertise that these folks bring to the industry. We're really glad that they were able to be a part of the show and we're looking forward to hearing your thoughts and, and hope you enjoy the show as well. So take a listen. All right. So today we are here with Eddie and Jerry. Would you two please introduce yourselves? I know you are well known in the industry for your tool shed show. So if you could talk through who you are and your titles, that would be wonderful. Sure. Eddie, you want to go? Yeah, sure. My name is Eddie McFarlane, and as you mentioned, I have the pleasure of being uh, Jerry Rollins' co-host on the Toolshed Show, which is just a, a training show that we were lucky enough to have sponsored by Schedule Engine and, of course, the fantastic folks at Emerson. And for my day job, uh, I'm the luckiest guy in the home services because I get to work on projects every day that help people do their job just a little bit easier. And I get to do it with Jerry. Hey, that's a really good answer, by the <laughs> way. He did a good intro for you. <laughs> he did. Uh, my name is Jerry Rollins. I'm the training director for Schedule Engine. And so if Eddie's the luckiest person in the industry, I get to work with the luckiest person in the industry every day. Oh, my goodness. So that's pretty cool. As the co-host of uh, Toolshed, we're in our second season, and we, we've just loved it. Thanks to Emerson and Schedule Engine for sponsoring it. And it's just a, a really good community of people that we reach out to, and they reach out to us, and we teach them some things about industry and they teach us about the industry well you know because of tool shed that's why we have you here we, we brought you back eddie you've been on the show before it's been a while it's been a minute it's been a minute <laughs> you know it's funny when you were first on the show i didn't know you were this awesome person and then after we talked it was like oh oh we know eddie he's in the industry <laughs> he's you. on acca board he knows what's going on so Let's talk a little bit about Toolshed. Tell me about your passion for the industry and what brought this idea to you. What made you decide that you should start something like Toolshed? Sure, I can speak to that. Yeah, go for it. About five years ago, I saw Eddie McFarlane at an ACA conference. And after three days of listening to speakers, I found the best speaker at the conference was the guy doing the workshop, and it was Eddie McFarland. So I stayed afterwards, and I said, hey, we should be friends. You're doing the same job I'm doing in a different state, and we're doing the same thing. We should connect. And we did, and we became friends over the years. At some point, about two years later, Eddie said, hey, we should do some training together. Okay. Half the people won't understand you and half the people won't understand me. It'll be perfect. Perfect. And and five years later, we get to do that on the tool shed, so it's pretty cool. It's, uh, I remember that. What Jerry's not telling you is that I got that really sought after Saturday after the conference is basically over at 8 a.m. in the morning. So I don't want to say it was standing room only, but... Um, if you'd have popped in, there would have been a seat. There was and, some seats available. <laughs> and I, so I, I remember that. But, you know, one of the things that makes me passionate about the industry is, is stuff just like that. I, I, I'm, I just believe that the industry is filled with men and women every day who basically have chosen to try and serve their communities by making them better, safer, more comfortable and to be part of a community that sort of tries to bring more to the table than it takes, I mean, that's just a really lucky, lucky thing to do. And it's easy to be passionate about because you're literally working with people every day that not only want to help, but, you know, 
I work with a ton of service departments. It's literally got the word serve in it. Like it's great and uh, they're good people and, and they keep me sharp and there's just opportunities to be around all kinds of smart people that teach you something every day. And I think it's throughout the entire channel too. I think you notice that when you go to ACCA, you notice that when you're at other conferences, that everyone there is passionate about what they do and they want to help people and that's why they got in the industry. We did a podcast where someone who was a nurse switched from a nursing career to an HVAC technician and he said part of it was he still got to help people. So it's amazing. Yeah, I've trained a bunch of uh, people that were servers and were police officers and nurses right, that got right. into the HVAC because they still wanted to serve. They just wanted to do it in a different industry. Same yeah. Thing. Yep. So um, obviously you both are really passionate. How did that lead you to starting Toolshed? How was that kind of what came to fruition once you got together and figured you wanted to work together? Yeah, so it, it's um, <laughs> they just look at each we other. We just look at each other and go. <laughs> we got lost <laughs> in a moment. No, um, no, it's 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 one of those things that serendipity, where the the preparedness, like Jerry says, we'd been doing it with individual technicians, with individual organizations, and certainly reaching out and helping where we could. But that preparedness met the opportunity when Schedule Engine. So they exist to make contractors' lives a little bit easier with technology and live services. So their whole thing was we're coming out of a weird year. The industry, you know, some people had been furloughed. Some people were were back or, or the, the way we were working with homeowners was very different. And so as we were thinking about giving back, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Schedule Engine was founded by Austin Haller, who second generation contractor, grew up in the trades, mm-hmm. knows the people and just wanted to give back. And so he sort of reached out. I ping jerry i was like you know i think we could i don't know if we should but i think we and so it was really this idea of how do we help people get back to the basics of interacting and, and having you know a system for every call in, in a after a year that had been really disrupted from what would have been the norm of how to run call but also how to take care of people in an optimal way when jerry and i got talking the rest came together yeah, I think when we started, we just said, hey, Schedule Engine wants to give back to the community. And then Eddie and I said, hey, we want to give back to the community and the industry that's given to us. Mm-hmm. And so separately, we both worked for people that were nice enough to share what they knew with us. Mm-hmm. And so we wanted to give that back. And we really thought, hey, we'll do this for technicians. And some of the time in the industry, technicians have things done to them and not for them. And so we really wanted to do something for technicians. And then we got into it. And what we found out was some of the audience was really more service managers. And so the service manager maybe was a technician that got promoted and the company got bigger. And now he's the manager or she's the manager, not really sure how to hold a really good meeting, not really sure how to have a huddle is what we call in season two is all about how to hold a really, really good meeting. And so we've taken some of that responsibility that the service manager needed to do every week and we did it for them. And we just put a meeting in a box. And they can just show the tool shed and then that's their meeting. You know, and that's a really good point. I guess we're coming off a strange year, like you said, and this is a way to reach so many more people, such a large audience that may be struggling with that. Listeners, for those of you who haven't checked out Toolshed, you should check out season one. They've got it on YouTube and Facebook. We'll link to it here. Don't worry. So if you're looking for something like this to help you while you're out there in the field, definitely check these guys out. It'll be fun to see if they can figure out which one of them is a switch. <laughs> That's right. I'm, I'm only 32% Scottish, according to, according to Ancestry DNA. Yeah. Jeez. So introduce yourself, please, and then all of your tools that you're sponsoring and supporting and doing and all sure. that good stuff. So my name is Bill Spone. I'm co-owner and president of True Tech Tools. We're an online store for HVAC and building performance contractors to get some of the best tools, but really most importantly, to better the process by which you do your work. Because we think that's what results in a successful technician, a successful business, and doing good work for your customers. Yeah, agree. So how did you get started? What what about HVAC attracted you to it? Well, I got laid off from another job. Oh, so that's how it started. (laughs) So I kind of got kicked out the door at one business and uh, found a job with a, a company called Bacharach. 
uh, is a design engineer and actually uh, got hired to start designing test and measurement products for HVAC. Mm -hmm. And from there, I moved through a series of positions in um, marketing, got to understand product line, product development, worked for another company called Testo. And that was 10 years at Backrack, 10 years at Testo. They're a German company, helped them okay. grow their North American business by a factor of like 13 over the time I was working there. And they opened my eyes to the world of HVAC. The reason why I helped found True Tech Tools, and I am one of the co-founders, there were three of us, Jim Bergman, his dad, and myself got brought in at a slightly later point, founded the business out of frustration. And that's frustration with the way these tools that Jim and I had worked with mm -hmm. weren't being used by technicians, weren't being sold. We didn't think enough of them being sold. There's like all this good work that could be done. Why isn't it being done? What's kind of the gap in the way it's being sold? So we had the audacious idea that we could start a company just to focus on this little niche market of HVAC tools. So Jim, with his educational background, and I, I'm also, I, I love, I'm very passionate about education and teaching with my marketing and product development background, mm -hmm. we started this company called True Tech Tools. That's how I got the business rolling. I joined in 2009. Wow. So as the industry has grown and as it's obviously become successful, what types of things are trying to branch into at this point? And how has technology changed? How is that changing your approach? You know, where are you seeing the areas where there's the most need, you know, from a tool standpoint? Sure. So one of the aspects I brought from some of those other previous positions was this topic called home performance or building performance. And that's the way a building performs, so the thermal aspects, the air leakage and things like that. Because if you really think about it, like uh, especially like in a residential aspect, mm -hmm. there's the supply and the return grill, the supply air that comes into the space, the return air, the return grill takes it out of the space. Yep. But things happen to that conditioned air inside the space. Mm -hmm. So that's like the missing element to all of this. So if you don't treat the house as a system with mechanical systems, with heating, cooling, ventilation, and the structure itself together, you can often have poor performance and energy waste. So my goal with True Tech Tools is to bring these kind of two worlds together so that the technicians can really understand how sometimes the, the problem is with the box or the equipment, but sometimes the problem may be with the structure or the building. It might be air insulation, it might be insulation, it might be air leakage, things like that, that can help things harmonize and reduce the, okay. uh, make things perform better together. Awesome. The famous Mike Mayberry. You're here on HVAC On Air. We're excited. Thank you. Give us a little bit about your your background. Tell us why HVACR. It's not a good story. <laughs> Is that why you, you don't want to tell it? Um, I was horrible in high school. I actually hated high school. I was going to have to um, retake my senior year. There was a regional occupation program called ROP. And the regional occupation program is like an adult ed. I took a class in landscaping because my dad was a landscaper. And then I thought, well, I'd go in my dad's footsteps. And my dad didn't want me to really go in his footsteps. He's like, you know, blah, blah. I says, well, I'm going to try it. I hated it. And then um, I was, at that time, I was blind in my left eye. So I tested real high in mechanical aptitude for the military, but because I was blind in my eye. I couldn't go in the you military. You couldn't be accepted, yeah. But I signed up for the draft anyways. And so I took this night class in air conditioning, and I was like burning stuff and torches. And the teacher's like, you know, you got a really good grasp on this. I says, I can do this for a living? He's like, yeah, because... <laughs> But if you want to do it, like really do it for a living, you need to go to this school over in Los Angeles because I grew up in Southern California. And I said, okay. And he helped me go to that school and I signed up for the class and I failed my entire first two years of the program. I lived in college the way I lived in high school, which was never doing my assignments. And I didn't understand college where they would give you an assignment and then they'd be like, okay, your assignment's due in two weeks. Well, I went and partied for two weeks and then that night did the assignment and turned it in and I failed. The bad thing about the program was it didn't go like the next year was start over. And so that one year I had to wait a whole nother two years before to start again. Oh. So I failed my entire first year. And one of the things was math. I had to 
take math classes because there was a lot of math in my first year. So the instructor says, I think you should take a math class. I failed the entire first year of math. I am horrible at math. You know, I understand how to like, you know, plus and minus and, and divide basic math, but I had to take algebra and pre-algebra and I failed all of my algebra classes. That put me on the dean's list for expulsion. So I'm in college. I'm about ready to be kicked out. I went to my instructors and I said, hey, I'm, I'm struggling, man. Like, I'm not getting this and, mm -hmm. and I don't, you know, what am I going to do? They pulled me aside, both of them, Ron Trulock and Wayne Freeman. They pulled me aside and basically said to pull my head out of my butt. Um, they didn't say it so nicely. Then they could swear at students and not get in trouble. Um, he says, listen, we're going to sign for you because we think you've got a little something there, but you're only going to get one semester. And if you don't get this, you're out. So that was it. Yeah. And I'm like, wow. And they're like, we're going to sign the paperwork, but you better get your head out of your ass. Like we're going to put like, our names on the line yeah, one time. Yeah. And that's it. I came back after two years of understanding how college worked. And when I went through the second time, it all clicked. Like I understood what I was supposed to do and how the assignments were supposed to go and the time it took to put in for it. I went through the whole thing and it started making sense. And when I ended up completing the program, I graduated or not graduated. I got my certificate with like a three point six GPA. Look like at like you. I went like through the roof. And this guy walks in, Pat Wolf, he walks in and he goes, I'm looking for a guy who completed the program, lives in Garden Grove, which is near Disneyland, and is an apprentice. And I, you know, I put my hand up. I says, Well, I live in Garden Grove. And he says, you know, we went out, we interviewed, and I got hired on the spot. Yeah. And that was uh January like tenth. In 1986. Wow. And then, you know, here we are today. And now you're in the HVAC guy. Yeah, the HVAC guy was a mistake. It was, um, like I told you guys in the, you know, thing. Yeah. My daughter was, you know, hey, old man, Instagram is for young people. And, you know, <laughs> go sit in there and, you know, look at Facebook. And I took it as a kind of a challenge. Kind of a like, challenge. You know, like, tell mm. me what to do, chick. You know, look, you're my daughter. You're like, you think tell you me know. what to do. We did the Instagram. The first Instagram page was horrible. I didn't really understand it. And then Instagram had only been on the market for about a year. So it was kind of fresh and yeah. new. And then my son said, well, you should do an air conditioning page. So... We did HVAC guy that had been taken. We went reefer guy had been taken. Mm -hmm. And then we went HVAC reefer guy had not been taken. So we immediately grabbed onto it and made some mistakes. Didn't really understand hashtags and all that because Instagram had only been out for about a year, maybe a year and a half. So I got on Instagram in 2014. Okay. And my page just went boom. Like it just took off because there was not Nothing a lot of air conditioning was, pages. Was I didn't there. have like a little, lot of competition. And then I ended up a Vito Pro Pack tool bags. This young guy came in to do their marketing and him and I became friends. We're still friends to this day. And we came up with a way to show tool bags in use and how technicians use tool bags. And we called it, how do you veto? We created the hashtag, how do you veto? Well, that just, Took yep. my page through the roof, like, boom, gone. And now, how do you veto is like Vito Propac's number one hashtag. It's like six, 7,000 posts. It's like crazy. Well, it was so fresh. It just took off. And people were sending me photos of the tool bags. Yeah. And I'm reposting their pictures. And I'm not even having to create content. You're and, just like taking and, and whatever. Oh, it was just crazy. But now it's got a mind of its own. and So for you, it's like... The relationship with the people that are listening to you now, the more you know them, the more you have that conversation and you share that and it gets out there. And Well, it's it's um, uh, it's a cool brand. I like it. Like, I'm, you know, I'm promoting it now. Um, I wear the shirt all the time. I've got like two dozen shirts at home. So I try to make sure it's always rotated around so I don't wear one out. And mm -hmm. One looks gray instead of black. It's a constant promotion. But now I've got some corporate sponsors that helped me. Mm -hmm. And um, are we allowed to say who they are? Yeah. So a huge thanks to Interplay Learning, to Subco Sealed Unit Products, 
Navac is a really great partner. Choice Refrigerants, thank you to them. Cool Air Products. Gosh, who am I going to blow? I'm going to blow it here somewhere because I didn't think about it. And then I've got some sponsors, some people that don't help me financially, but they help me in other ways like Midwest Snips, Refrigeration Technologies, Solder Weld. They're really big partners of mine. Sporlin is another one, uh, Dennis Suchfield over at Sporlin. They're just good people that when I say I need help, they just show up. And, you know, that's huge for me that, you know, my wife and I don't have to shoulder some of the costs so much. Yeah. And so I think the other part of it too, we use the brand to fund charities Mm -hmm. that we like. Like right now we're helping with St. Mary's Food Bank. St. Mary's Food Bank is the largest food bank in Arizona. And if you reach out to food banks where you live, on average, $1 will feed seven people or make seven meals. And so we try to fund the food bank in Phoenix because they are so big, they help food banks in other states. That's one of our charities. We'll sometimes help out the Cancer Society, but you know there's some things there where the admin fees end up eating so much of the charity. So we don't partner with them as much. Uh, GoFundMes is another one. We love helping out people uh, families that have a loved one that's injured on the job, but, um, you know, we have a vetting process. And so my wife and I, we do not take any money out of the HVAC reefer guy account. It's an LLC. So it runs on its own. You know, we have a separate bank. We have a separate account. We have separate checking accounts, separate credit cards, all that stuff. And we use it to fund the charities and to ship stuff worldwide. And, you know, when something special comes along where there's a special need, you know, breast cancer awareness or something like that. I mean, that's just awesome because it's like you're really giving back now in more ways than just what you put on the channel for the business with the folks in the industry. So um, I lived a not-so-perfect life. Not drugs or alcohol, just, you know, drinking too much or partying or whatever. And just I was not where I should have been. And then if if I get weepy on you, it's just... I, I tell the story of a million times and it still chokes me up. But my father got brain cancer. And and when my father got brain cancer, he had surgery done. And you can't cry. I swear to God, because if you do, you're going to get me to cry. My father got brain cancer and he had the surgery done. And it it didn't cure the cancer. And so he told the doctors, he said, listen, I'm dying. You don't need to like take care of me. And the doctor's like, oh yeah, we're all dying. He's like, no, 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 no. It's like, you don't understand. Like I'm dying. And, and I'm an only child. So my mom was there and, and this, all this stuff was going on. And, um, and he takes himself to hospice. We had him sent to hospice. And when he went to hospice, he only lasted about a week and he passed away on January 23rd. When, when he was dying, he only had about a minute or two left of his life, two or three minutes left of his life. When he was dying, this big smile came across his face. It was a huge smile. And I was like, what is going on? And I rushed down to the nurse. I'm like, I don't know what's going on. And the nurses, they rush back. And there he is. He's in bed, like big grin on his face. And he's still alive. He's still breathing. And, but he, and, the, and, and I'm like looking at the nurse and I'm like, why is he smiling? And she said, uh, she says, your father is seeing heaven or whatever he thinks is heaven. He's seeing heaven. And I'm like, like how long? She goes, you got about a minute or two. Like whatever you're going to say, like you need to say it now. And so I said, okay. And then the smiling didn't stop. And I go, well, and she said, Listen, um, when I'm dying, I want to see that too. I want to smile. You okay? Yeah, I'm good. Okay. <laughs> I'm hanging I, in there. And she said, you need to change everything about your life. And I'm like, what is that? And she goes, you know exactly what you need to do. And then he died. And, you know... I went home that night and 
told my wife, I need to be a better husband and I need to be a better man and I need to change everything about who I am and I need to stop living for myself. I need to live for other people. So when the brand got going, that's part of why we do what we do, which is to live for other people. We don't care about the cost of the shirt. We don't care about the cost of the sticker. We don't care about shipping hats and shirts to Germany. And, you know, I just sent a box of stuff to, I think, Brazil. and or No, I sent a box of stuff to London. And it cost me like 85 bucks for shipping alone. But I'm living for another person because the person got the box and they opened up the box and it was like they sent me the nicest digital note, like, thank you so much. You know, this means like the world to me. And we get little letters that say, I got your shirt and I came home and there was the package sitting there. Like you made my crappy week a great week. And these people that I have around me, including Emerson, allow me to be a better man and allow me to live for other people and not live for myself. And, and that is why we do what we do. Or somebody is out of a job, you know, like I was telling the group, I don't know if you're here when we were talking, when COVID came, people were being let go, right? They were being laid off and mm -hmm. stuff. We were doing an Instagram live almost every day, if not every other day at five o'clock which was five o'clock on the West coast, eight o'clock on the East coast. So we were doing Instagram lives just to check on the family. Like what's going on? Are you guys okay? Have you got jobs? Do you need something? And then I do these Sunday fun days and we have contests and I'll be like, I need a number between one and 99 and the person who gets 99 or, you know, the, or that number that's in my head, right? Yeah. They get free stuff and we send out, like five boxes of hats and tools and flashlights and whatever stuff I've gotten for free, we, we send out and we give away. If at the end of my life, I get to the end and I know that I live for other people, like that is a huge win. Ugh. Well, welcome to HVAC on Air, Jessica. We're very excited to have you here. So tell me a little bit about yourself, your passion with HVACR, and how you got into doing social as well. Yeah, no problem. So I got into HVACR because of my family's business. My dad has been um, a refrigeration mechanic for my whole life. Um, in fact, he was an apprentice for his dad back in the 70s. So technically, I'm a third generation uh, refrigeration mechanic. Holy cow, that's awesome. Although, yeah, it's pretty cool. But for me, it's a second career. Mm -hmm. So I've come into the game a little bit later in life. My brother followed my dad's footsteps and went into HVAC right after high school. But uh, here I am in my 30s as an apprentice learning the trade. And I love it. <laughs> I my biggest regret in life is not doing this sooner. Oh so. my goodness. That's awesome. Yeah. And so that's part of why I post so much on Instagram is just to show my journey and what it entails in being a refrigeration mechanic. Um, because, yeah, because I got such a late start in life, I want other people, regular people that are on social media to see me in my everyday life, doing my everyday job, knowing that if they're considering a career in the trades, whether it's in HVAC or any other trade, that they see me out there doing my thing and they see what kind of life that I have. You know, yeah. and I think the the really special thing about you too is that social lets you kind of expand your audience outside of, you know, just your specific area and what you're doing. But I think the other thing that's really awesome too, is that there just aren't very many women in the trades. And so to see what you're doing every day, that's such a huge impact because especially the young women that I talk to when they're considering trades, it's like they don't consider it unless they know someone who is already doing it. So yeah. they need like an example to understand what they could be doing and, and what types of careers there are within HVACR. Absolutely. And even though it was in my family, 
forever. It wasn't even a consideration, not for my family, but not even for myself. When I was trying to think of what I would do with my life, what career would I choose? The trades wasn't even a consideration for me. I didn't even think that that was something that I could even do. And there's a, a company called Cover Gals, and they have this saying called, you can't be what you can't see. And so I think, you know, how firemen and policemen, they go into schools and they speak to kids. Well, I think it's really important for those people to be women as well, because, and same for HVAC contractors, mm -hmm. should be seeing, seeing women out there as well. And so part of why I started my social media was that I'm very lucky. I live at the most beautiful place in the world at Vancouver, British Columbia. I'm sorry. It's the best city in the world. And I'm not going to argue with you. I'm not yeah. going <laughs> to not gonna argue with you <laughs> exactly and and my my trade my industry takes me to very interesting places uh, i get to see a lot of behind the scenes things and i get excited about things really easily so i feel like if i'm getting excited about stuff other people will find it interesting as well so that's kind of why i started my social media to kind of showcase what I do and what I see. And then it evolved a little bit into the women in HVACR. Then I really started to push that side of things. And I'm starting to see a few more women out there on the socials, which is really cool to see. Growth has been awesome. And it really, you're it right. Really it really has. has been like in the last like two years, I would say. Absolutely. And I think the more that we do this, I think the more people will start coming out and, and realizing that it's really, it's cool and fun to share your experiences. And for me, particularly, I share my challenges as well. And my, my weaknesses, sometimes HVAC is hard. It's a hard trait to be in and some days just beat you down. <laughs> <laughs> and I share that as well. Like I share, I've just battled with this one single screw for two hours. Like I, sh I share that kind of stuff because it's real. Like not, it's not all sunshine and rainbows and polished photos. It's real out there. Well, and you know, I think that's a good story, not only just for HVAC, but for the longest time showing whatever is full picture that's curated and like really well done. And I think the reality is, is that people want to see real life. And so I think that's yep. what makes it really awesome too, is it can be fun and it can be challenging at the same time and it can be different and you do a good job of that on your channels. So oh, thanks. Thanks. My channel just even progressed a little bit even more. So after the women in HVAC are stuff, it's HVAC in general. I think people who aren't in the trade don't totally understand or grasp what it all entails. HVACR, mm -hmm. like to me, I find it very fascinating and interesting, but it's complicated and it's hard. Some people I don't think have any idea the kinds of challenges that we face. They just see, you know, <laughs> Sorry to say, but they just see dirty men walking <laughs> through, like going up onto the roof, doing something, and then they leave. Yeah. It, is, it is so complicated. And the, the challenge that we face on a daily basis, I want people to know what we're going through. Well, it's yeah. And the thing that gets me is that we talk about it a lot from the manufacturing side because we're kind of seeing everything from the full channel. But, yeah. you know, for you guys, it's like the implementation of new regulations and, you know, when new products come out and products are getting more complicated to work on, it's not just new installs, but then it's like, you have to know the stuff that's 30 years old, that's still out there in the industry and trying to figure that out while you're also staying up to date on like, now I have these new refrigerants and some of them are really flammable and like, yeah. you know, making sure that you're really aware of everything that's going on from the last 30 years to the next 10 that are coming. <laughs> exactly. There's a lot. There's a lot. The gap really is the everydayness. <laughs> like, I, I hate to sound like I'm repeating myself, but um, HVAC reefer guy, Mike Mayberry, on every Friday, he posts a picture on his Instagram. It's called Fakery Fridays. Yes, and, he does. And I, I just love those because those <laughs> pictures are what's out there and that's what people are seeing. And they're so fake and they're so <laughs> wrong. Like, yeah. Oh my gosh, some some of them are so funny, but like if you are not in the industry or the trade, you have no idea. So I think it's important to just show how it is and people get a good real idea of how it is both in the trades and outside of the trades. And what I love about social media is that it's so casual. I think it's casual. I don't, my stuff <laughs> is not polished at all. It's very casual <laughs> on the fly, but that's what makes it more real world. 
right? Even when I'm testing yeah. a new tool or trying a new product for the first time, sometimes I battle and like, that's part of getting a new tool. Like, so <laughs> How does this works. Yeah, like, oh, I got this bag and it comes with this little insert and I didn't realize that. So when I filled the bag with water, it just poured out the bottom. And I was doing this Instagram thing and I'm like, ah, I guess broken from where it came from, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, that's too bad, but whatever. And then a little bit later on, I'm like, oh, that's embarrassing. This little piece has got to come out. So, <laughs> so hopefully the next person to use that kind of bag product that I was using, will see that and be like, okay, don't forget to take that little bit out. We have Brian Orr on the show. You're famous in the HVACR industry. Yes, yes, Welcome indeed. to HVAC <laughs> on air. <laughs> thanks for thanks for having me here. This is exciting. Um, okay, so please tell us a little bit about your show and what you do, and then we'll jump into it. I'd love to hear your background, your passion for the industry, what kind of got you started. Okay, sure. So my podcast and YouTube channel and website is all HVAC school. My website is HVACR school, and I like to tell people that was super intentional, but it was just because HVAC school wasn't available, uh, <laughs> .com. So that's, that's oh, why I did. That's why I did that. But, uh, yeah, so I started doing that, I don't know, six years ago, something like that. Maybe it was more, I don't know. I lose track of time. Um, because I, I love teaching. I did teaching at a corporate level for a large contracting company before I started my own business. And then just getting into the flow of being a business owner and kind of doing all the stuff that you have to do in order to keep a business afloat. I, I did less and less teaching and, uh, that just led to existential dread. So in order to you know stave <laughs> off <laughs> the internal pain, I had to start a podcast. No, it's I, I love audio. I've always loved audio. I've always kind of well, since I was a kid. I used to do like little audio shows and oh, stuff. That's I had my funny. little tape I hope recorder. There's a little and, Brian Orr video oh my somewhere. gosh, I hope yeah. not. <laughs> oh man, I would love to see that. <laughs> that was really bad. So I used to do that and just kind of pairing that together with my passion for teaching HVAC. Uh, that's that's why I started doing that. You asked the question about why I'm passionate about the trade. Um, it's it's what I've done my whole life. I, I went into trade school when I was actually 16, started in a truck when I was 17. And Mike Rowe, the way he likes to put it is, yes. I know, my, and everyone, everyone knows Mike Rowe. I heard, <laughs> I heard the sigh there. Basically, if you can't get Mike Rowe, that's when you settle for Brian Orr. <laughs> Um, like a proxy micro, uh, inexpensive micro. Um, he, he says that you don't necessarily have to be passionate about everything that you do, but you need to bring your passion with you wherever you go. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's a paraphrase. I'm sure that's not exactly how he said it. But the idea there is, is that there's probably a lot of different things I could have done that I would have been passionate about. But because HVACR is what I did do, and it just so happens to be a very interesting trade done by very interesting people. It's something I have become very passionate about and just kind of pairing that together with my kids and wife and all that other stuff. But, Everything um, else. Yeah. yeah but, it, but in terms of the specifics of this trade, there are so many people who have worked so hard, who have sacrificed so much. Many of them are the people who trained me and uh, invested in me. It's a very interesting trade. There's a lot to it. And, uh, and so it's just become my life's goal to just support people in doing that work, doing it well, uh, being able to advance in their lives and their careers and their families, uh, just, just seeing people who work hard in it do well. And a big part of that is, is sharing the technical knowledge it takes to have some mastery at the work that you do. And do you feel that's kind of a gap, like something that, you know, just isn't talked widely enough about this specific industry? I know we talk with quite a few folks who either like got to the industry late or, you know, just didn't realize it was an option for them. And so as you're doing your podcasts or doing your educational trainings, like what types of things did you feel were the biggest gaps that you're trying to really address with what you're doing? Yeah, there's so many different ones. Um, I, I mostly am a technical podcast, so I don't want to be disingenuous and pretend like I, I talk about a lot of other life skills. But, uh, but honestly, I think so many of us get stuck either in a career that's outside of HVACR, but even within it, because you get into a routine, you stop seeing the opportunities that exist for you. So for me, whether it's somebody who's coming into the trade from the outside who doesn't see it as a possibility or somebody who's in the trade or feels like they're getting stuck, like they're just doing the same thing day in and day out. Uh, a role that I like to play and that I'm excited to play is to show them that, look, there's so much more to learn. Uh, if you're doing residential air conditioning and you find that you really don't like the customer interaction of residential, because I mean, let's face it, it's not always fun. Actually, it's kind of awful at times, but you know, we're not going to go down there. It's, you know, if, if you find that you don't like that, well, you can always go into commercial. You can always go into industrial. You can always yeah. go into, um, you know, if you like mechanical things, there's always going to be opportunities for you. And long-term, you can do training. You can do management. You can do consulting. Whatever those things are. 
are, I like to kind of show people that that's possible. But then from the outside, I, yeah, I mean, to me, HVACR is actually a pretty glamorous trade. I mean, it, there's a lot that you get to do. We get to melt metal with fire. Um, we get to uh, work. Toys. We get to play with some <laughs> awesome tools. Um, we get to if you if you like the human interaction, there's a lot of that. So you can uh, have that too. You can have that too. I, I only like it in small doses, so it works fine. <laughs> That's why you do you know? a podcast, isn't it? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's just me and my microphone. You know, just me and my microphone. So there's just a lot of opportunities there and you don't need to get stuck. And that's one of the really nice things about this trade, though it probably has the reputation. In fact, a lot of people will say that it's a trade that you just get stuck in in some way. That's not true. Maybe it was at one point in time. Maybe yeah. it was. It just isn't today. And that's what I tell parents who are talking about you know, talking what their kids, kids should and- do. That's what I tell people who are already in the trade who feel stuck. And it's what I tell my other family members who aren't in the trade who don't already work with me. Uh, and that's why they don't invite me to parties anymore. So <laughs> We don't want to hear Brian talk about They don't want to hear me talk about HVCR anymore. No, no, no. So, okay, you've been in the industry for a while. You are a technical person. I mean, in relation to that, as you're talking to folks about why the industry is so cool, Cool. We see uh, that I a see lot. What you did. <laughs> do you see I that? see what you did there. Um, that never gets so, old. Never. <laughs> um, All day or day. Do you see the technology aspect of the technical work changing over time? Do you see that it's getting complicated or that it's getting messy? Or, or do you think it's more attractive now to folks that want to have a more technical experience? Yeah, I think, I, I think – as things become more complicated and more diverse, and they certainly do, they certainly have. I mean, even if you just look at worldwide, how many people there are in the world that are using air conditioning now and the different types of technologies. I think what we have to realize is, is that your particular experience, your particular first experience of the trade is not all there is. And I know I'm going back to this again, but a lot of people, the very first thing they do you know, they hop in a truck with somebody and they're a caustic personality or they do a type of work they don't like or maybe yeah. it's too dirty or maybe it's too hands-on or maybe it's whatever the case may be. And they say, I don't like HVACR because it is this or because it is that. Well, it isn't. It, yeah. it, that's one thing it can be, uh, but it could be something totally different. So the the separation that I like to make, I mean, if you want to use a fancy word, the bifurcation, the, the trade is there's technical and then there is craftsmanship. Mm-hmm. And People who are craftspeople, those are folks who are really good with their hands. They don't need a level to tell if something's level. Um, they don't need a square to tell if something's square. You know, this is my wife. My wife is this way. She is a craftsperson. Like she can just tell if something's right. She's very detailed. She likes how things look and the end result. Mm-hmm. A lot of installers tend to be this way. Um, that is a very tactile thing. I mean, that's you're, you're going to work with your hands. You're going to use saws. You're going to use shears. You're going to use, you know, yeah. all that sort of thing. Doesn't mean it has to be backbreaking, but it's very tactile. It's yeah. part of the nature of it. I am not one of those types of people. I am not good at that. I need a level, and even when I use the level, it doesn't come out right. I don't even know how that works. And it's like, I think all my levels are bent. I am a technical person, and a lot of people who are successful in this trade are technical. And so you can be either one. Now, you've got to be good at which either one you are. You know, yeah. you can't be, you can't go into a technical job and not be good with technology. You can't go into a job where you do a lot of troubleshooting right. and, and fail to be good at diagnostics. But you don't have to be super good at the aesthetics side of things. And the same is true on the other side, is that there are plenty of people who are non-technical, meaning they don't really care that much about technology or about more of the nerdy stuff, but they're very good craftspeople and they belong in the trade as well. So, and even beyond that, I mean, if you're, if you're great at sales, if you're good with people, there's space in the, in the trade for you as well. You yeah, know, like you that's don't, true. this idea that you have to be good at everything or that you have to do things largely that you don't like uh, in order to be successful is nonsense. There are times you're going to have days you don't like. There are times you're going to have to do things. As in everything. As in everything, right? There's going to be times you're going to have to clean the toilet, right? That's yes. that's part of yes. life. And and you don't want to be such a prima donna that you don't do that. Although I will say that I was put on a middle seat in order to fly up here and I almost just turned around and went home <laughs> because I am not going to work in, that, in these conditions. Just kidding. Uh, no, that did almost happen, honestly. But uh, <laughs> but uh, the, the point just being that you, you don't have to get stuck doing something that you don't want to do. Um, you can suit what your strengths are. So if people who think that they like the technology, the technical side, there's a huge opportunity for you. So in terms of like, because I've seen this a lot with parents. Um, mm-hmm. I do a lot of speaking to parents about, you know, options that are not college uh, right. for kids. Right. And they will say, you know, my son or daughter is really good at Legos and they love how machines go together and all this. So they're going to be an engineer. Yeah. And my only rebuttal to that is, great. Do they want to sit in a structured educational environment for four years after high school? Is that something that they want to do? Yeah. Well, no, they don't, but they have all these skills. 
okay, but why can't they do something why that's technical without being an engineer yeah. and without going to college? And I'm not saying that, that the college isn't the right option. It could be the right option for them, and I'm never ragging on college here. Um, but the point being that there's more than one path. There's more than it. one path. And and opening your mind to the fact that if you are technical, then feed that because it's not going to necessarily be easy right away yeah. uh, in the same way that you're not going to just be naturally a craftsperson either. You have to invest in it. But if you want to do more technical stuff that isn't so hands-on, isn't so physically taxing, then the trade is for you. And this leads right into why there needs to be more women technicians because women are tremendous at many technical roles, not as if all women are the same, but the point being that women are very well suited to be technicians in our trade and they should not feel like they're excluded in any way because it does not have to be a physically taxing job if that's not something that you want. You know, I think the more we talk about it, the more it's socialized, it will become something that's more interesting to women and they know it's an option. And to your point, you don't have to be a technician and be a woman in the, in the industry either. You can do many other facets and still be in the industry. All right. We're here with Tersh. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. So uh, my name is Tersh Blissett. I live, reside, work around Savannah, Georgia area. I have uh, two HVAC companies, two plumbing companies, an electrical company, and they're in Savannah, so they're competitors. Uh, <laughs> I know that's weird. But that is kind of funny. <laughs> so I started the first company in 14, and then I started my podcast um, in 2017. It was getting a lot of questions about how to start a podcast because it's a service business podcast about, you know, business owners and managers. And so I said, you know what, I'll just start another business and let you follow along. And so that's what I did at the end of 2018 ish. I started another business and, or actually purchased a failing business so that people could follow along with me turning that business around. And they target two opposite demographics. One's a very high volume, low margin company. uh, And then the other one is a low volume, high margin. And so it's- You're getting like all aspects of the business. It here. is. It, so, so what got you into HVACR? What, how did this become your passion? It's funny you asked that because junior and senior year of high school, I was taking college classes through Georgia Tech. And okay. like my mom does PhD in education. So like the whole time she was like, you're going to be an engineer. You just have an engineer <laughs> mindset. It was always pushing me towards college. And I was, you know, I just knew I was going to go to college. So I get out of school, I get out of Air Force, I come back and I end up working at chemical factory that my dad's working at and my dad's blue collar has always been a welder my whole life and he never mentioned anything about you should try the trades and that's such a fun dynamic your dad's blue collar your mom's phd <laughs> <Yeah>. like <laughs> it's it is a uh, very different dynamic that's for sure and so my dad was like uh, i was there working shift work i was working seven day swing and i just i despised it i did not like it at all yeah. and uh he said you know what you should you should join the trades, be an electrician. His best friend was an electrician, owned his own uh, electrical business. And I was like, thanks, dad. Like <laughs> now is when you do this. Like now is when you mention this, not in yeah. high school, not in the other stuff. It's, it's very common, especially for people that work with their hands. And I, and I worked with my hands and that's why I thought maybe engineering would be great because I kind of would understand that. And I, I was good with math. And so when I was in high school and I mentioned going to shop class and stuff to counselors, mm-hmm. They were, no, that is not what you need. Like you're like, you're literally testing out of all of our programs in high school. So don't go to shop. Yeah. And I was like, okay, that's fine. I trust you. At that age, you don't know what to do. Yeah. You don't know. And so it's, it's your guy, you're literally going by the guidance counselor's advice. Really? Are they going to spend time with all of the options? Probably not. Exactly. And that's such a great point. But then after my dad mentioned that about, going to do electrical work i was talking to a friend of mine we're car buddies Mm -hmm. both hung out a lot he was spending more money on cars like he just had all this disposable income and i was like man what's going on here like are you a drug dealer or (laughs) i'm just kidding but it was to that point to where i'm like i knew he did air conditioning i didn't know anything about air conditioning other than whenever it was time to change the ac unit in my house Uh i paid uh, him and his company to do it i asked him if he would you know, get me a job, him where he was working. And he's like, well, I'll get you in front of my boss. So you can at least do an Talk. interview. Yeah. And that was great. I got in, in front of uh, the owner of the company and started out there. I was service tech for two years and then worked my way up to uh, basically running that business and did that for That's amazing. seven years. 
That is amazing. So then, you know, what kind of led you to doing the podcast? What led you to doing? Honestly, I was on uh, Brian Orr's HVAC School podcast. I was on that a couple of times talking about business side of things. Mm -hmm. And then I said, if you ever want to do a business podcast, I'd be more than happy to do it with you. And he said, I mean, I'd be willing to produce yours if you would do one. I said, okay. (laughs) All right. (laughs) So we did it. And, uh, he produced my show for about a year or so. And then um, after that, I started producing my own show. And we're at, I don't know, episode 605 or 606, something like that. And That's awesome. I have about 65 episodes that are recorded and ready to be released that I just Holy are cow. in the queue waiting. That's amazing. Yeah. The first summer after I started the podcast, I was short on content to where I like missed a week here, missed a week there. And I I said, never again. So So, then that winter I started doubling up on, I would record every Wednesday. I still record every Wednesday and I'll record two episodes and then release one episode every Wednesday. So then then you end up with this, mm -hmm, this backlog that's growing. So, so there you go. So, you know, what's your content focus? Tell me about that. So that way, you know, our listeners kind of, yeah. So it's focused on uh, service business owners and managers and possibly technicians who are considering becoming business owners. And the whole target with it is to help answer unasked questions Mm -hmm. pertaining to the business side of things, Okay. you know, how to be more streamlined, how to automate your business using things like Emerson, and Sensi Predict to help automate, you know, predictive learning and, and that type of stuff. Well, and I think, you know, that's something that is also kind of a misconception about the industry is that it's very techie and it's getting more complicated. Oh, and yeah. so, you know, the more you can do your job better and faster, the more successful you're going to be. Oh, yeah. So your podcast is a great resource for owners out there. Yeah. And one of the things that we're able to share, I'm able to share with, with the show is the fact that um, my business is 100% paperless and remote. So um, everything, and and I do a ton of automations. I have about 2,800 uh, Zaps through Zapier, which is an automation platform. I have about 28 of those that run every month. So wow. and I do away with probably three office staff with just the automation that we do through those platforms. So yeah, that's one of the big things that I've been able to share with, with the listeners of the show is how to, how to set up some automation with your business so you don't have to do manual book entries and uh, (laughs) quick books and stuff like that there you have it listeners so stay tuned for part two that we'll be releasing here next week where we continue the conversation with these folks to learn more about their experience with us at the helix and their general thoughts on how they think social is changing the industry moving forward and what we need to be doing to help those in the industry moving forward. So thank you again to Jerry and Eddie. Thank you again to Tersh, Ryan, Mike Mayberry, Jessica, and Bill Spohn. We appreciate your insight and look forward to doing more with you in the future. As always, listeners, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Copeland Scroll. You can find us at ac-heatingconnect.com. You can follow us at Copeland on LinkedIn and leave us a comment, ask us questions. We're putting this out there for you. So we want to make sure we are providing the insights that you're looking for and the answers that you're looking for in the industry. So till next time, thanks.